When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. Welcome to the Situation Room. I see the recording thing on my end. Yeah, it jumped from zero to 55 seconds out of nowhere, too. That's weird. I didn't say say that. What does it say in terms of time for you? I mean, it's going uh, normally one second at a time. It's at 20 seconds now. Mine says 109. That's so weird. Okay, I'm going to hit... Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I'm Jordan Coe, and I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. You guys can find us on Twitter. I'm at Raven's Sit Room. Uh, he's at Gabe Fergie. And uh, we're back here again, Gabe, with another, I won't even say double digit, 17-plus point loss um, for this Ravens team that they were leading you know, during the game. And it's just very unraven-like and very (laughs) frustrating to watch this team uh, blow big leads. And, you know, this one felt a little different than the Miami one where it wasn't, you know, the offense sputtered at the end of the Miami game anyway, but the defense really kind of choked it away. This one felt like it was the offense kind of, the offense is fully to blame for kind of the loss in this game overall. Yeah, uh, both games at home, which is, you know, kind of, makes it even worse because you would think, you know, being at home, you have more of an advantage, less likely to give up a big lead. Um, so that really sucks. Uh, on the flip side, you know, two and two, two road game wins. It's good to win on the road. Those are generally harder. So you'll take that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very unraven like uncharacteristic of the team, you know, we've grown accustomed to. Um, it, definitely a little different this time. I thought this, this game was much more problematic in terms of what the offense was not capable of doing. Um, you would score 20 points and then not score any more points in, after that. In sec- no points at all in the second half. Uh, obviously, you could have scored, um, but you know we'll talk a little about that later. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was this point game, um, a game where I, I honestly, going into this game, I thought that the Bills were going to win. I, I didn't think the Ravens would probably be able to keep them to a 23-point score um is how well the bills have been playing on offense but conditions helped out i think in this one as well and just in terms of the overall um kind of way the offenses worked out so you know it, it, it's not the worst thing in the world to lose to the bills well, the, the thing that makes it painful is it's a, it's a team that you're probably going to be fighting for playoffs you know so this hurts from that perspective um seeding in, in the playoffs I, I mean i clearly still think the ravens are a playoff contending team um and and they show that they can play with the, one of the better teams in the nfl so that's kind of like the silver lining but you had a chance to win this game and, and didn't and that, and that really sucks 
Yeah, I think overall it's safe to say that this this comes pretty close to eliminating the Ravens from being the one seed in the AFC. I mean, they they, are, they would have to. It's going to have to look a lot like 2019 where they run the table after kind of starting two and two. But um, it's going to make it difficult because they, you know, they're set back now on tiebreakers to both Miami um, and Buffalo. And so Kansas City's still playing well. So you're already a game behind them, um, you know, in addition to that. So it, it's hard to see a path to the one seed. But with only one bye, you know, more teams are going to have to play in week one. It's not the end of the world um, of the playoffs. And like you said, this was... This was a close competitive game, um, but there were just a bunch of wasted opportunities here. And um, I think we can get into the play calling and talk about where kind of, I think the offense in particular, um, you know, was where the ball was dropped mostly. But, you know, I just want to get this out of the way up top. I found this game to be the poorest officiated game I think I have watched. An imbalanced officiated game that I have watched in a very long time. Uh, that Tom Brady has not been playing in. And it's super frustrating to me that the league continues to want to see, or I, I don't know what it is, right? But when you see these white quarterbacks laying on the ground, begging for flags, and constantly getting them from refs um, in situations where it's completely unmerited, and then ticky-tack calls going one way, but no calls going the other way, um, you know, it just felt like the refs wanted to keep this game close and they did too much to influence it and let the Bills back uh, into the game overall. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not as I, I was even more revved up at, on it earlier when I was on a podcast with Ken um, at, at film study, you know, but I'm less worked up about it now, but it's still just it, it felt like the refs were very much just trying to make sure that they were keeping this game close. And that just annoys me on so many different levels. I mean, I think as we were watching it, we, we all saw these kind of ticky tack borderline penalties get called. Um, and it definitely seemed slanted against the Ravens. I think there were a couple of calls that the bills could complain about as well. So it wasn't just bad calls against the Ravens, it was just bad officiated game overall. Um, I think, I think if you're looking at a scorecard, it was more heavily tilted, um, against the Ravens, but it's it's just bad officiating, and, and this is not the kind of product that the NFL wants. I think I mean I mean they even basically admitted after the game that they got that roughing the passer um, penalty wrong in that last drive, um, and who knows maybe you know the Bills are able to convert on that set of downs anyway, and it's a same outcome. But um, just to give them 15 yards, give them a fresh set of downs when they were looking at a second and then 15 i think at the time like that's just it's just a bad place to be in it leaves a bad taste in your mouth i think you know we, a couple weeks ago against the patriots we had a bunch of holding calls that didn't get you know caught against them and, and this week it was you know some past interference calls that were pretty you know bad that went, that went the wrong way the one on mark andrews i mean the the offensive pass interference call on Mark Andrews that wasn't call, that was called was to me, I mean by the book of the law yes he kind of like pushed it off and like extended but it was like well even before the I don't even know if the ball was even in the air at that point like it might have been but it was like extremely not what you normally see from an OPI it wasn't like a pick play that by the way the Bills got away with in, in the end zone when they were driving down to score it wasn't an obvious like shove as the ball was like in the air trying to come down with like a jump ball situation that a lot of times that's when you see an OPI get called. This was in the route of the stem of the route. He kind of just like use his hand to like move by the defender. It, it was so 
run-of-the-mill. It's a play you see 90% of the routes that are run in the NFL. And for it to be called there on a play that would have resulted in a touchdown, it's just – or on the one-yard line. It didn't – it wasn't a touchdown. They would have gotten the ball at the one-yard. It's just so ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I, I know it's, it sounds like complaining and it's like making excuses or whatever, but, like, just be better NFL. Like, be better at, at you know – showing your officials and holding them accountable for, for when they are bad at their jobs because they did not do a good job in this game. Well, I wish there was, like, a switch where it's like, hey, this is a game where we're going to call a lot of calls. <laughs> like, those play, you know, you tell the team beforehand. It's like, if you push off when you're at the stem of a route, we're going to call offensive pass interference. If you get there and it's, like, borderline early, we're going to call defensive pass interference, right? Like, if we see guys' hands... Like, with a handful of jersey, we're going to call holding, and we're going to do it all game long, and we're going to be consistent about it, right? Like, and if it's going to be a game where they throw a bunch of flags, it's a game where they throw a bunch of flags, right? And that's fine if it balances out. The problem is that when it, they result in these inconsistencies where it feels like they're throwing a lot of flags one way, but then they aren't the other way, just because they aren't calling a lot, it, it gets exceptionally frustrating. And I would just, I would rather, you know, just see kind of a consistency of the flow of the number of calls that they make. And not that they have to be against the same team all the time. It's just, it, it just, at this game in particular, felt really inconsistent. The pass interference of the Demarcus Robinson third down pass had to be one of the biggest, like that was the borderline as bad as the call in the Rams Saints game a few years ago that led to them bringing the challenge back in for pass interference. It was that bad. Um, and it's just, how do you miss call? Like, I don't, I, I can't fathom how you miss calls like that. Yeah. That, that one was egregious. And, you know, there was a, there was a play earlier, I think when Brandon Stevens kind of hit the wide receiver a little early as well, it was a much closer play. That one it was more, much more bang, bang, but he did get there early. So you could say, okay, it's going both ways, but this one, like, even if they, they missed the other one, this one was so obvious. He got there like half a second before the ball was it. Like, it wasn't even close. It's just unbelievable. And that and was the, a huge play in the game. The thing about the McKenzie play is that McKenzie initiated the contact with Stevens. Stevens didn't get there early. He was playing the ball, and McKenzie ran into him. Like, it was it was actually, you know, if they would have called it, fine. Like, I thought they might have called it in the moment. Um, but, yeah, you just, again, it just you have to decide early if you're going to call those. And if you're not going to call those, you can't call the play on Mark Andrews either. Because um, you've got to you've got to give them the latitude to be able to play kind of in both directions, and it makes it really hard for the players to understand what the expectations are within a game, and and it's super frustrating. So I don't really want to talk about the officiating terribly more than that. The Ravens still could have won this game despite the fact that they had to overcome the officiating. Um, you know, we've talked about you know I labeled it earlier as wasted opportunities in production before this. That's not what we called it. I mean. I think we probably want to spend more time on the offense, but, you know, on the defense, they just, uh, they could not stop Josh Allen in any kind of, you know, in any kind of situation where he was scrambling or running, they just couldn't get there. Um, and there was no adjustment and no game plan really to slow him down. And so the Bills just continued to take advantage of that over and over and over again. Yeah, it definitely put, the Ravens defense in a bind. And I'm going to quibble with you a little bit because I think there was a bit of an adjustment. And I think their adjustment was basically we're dropping seven. And I mean, they did bring pressure a few times, but they didn't blitz him a lot. They they kind of stayed back in, you know, people on eyes on the quarterback. They used a spy at times. They kind of did a little bit of a conservative rush often. Like they weren't 
going really hard at, at trying to you know win around the corner they were doing more of a containment type pass rush and i think that's why in some instances the pressure looked like it, there wasn't much there wasn't a lot of pass rush they were trying to keep him contained um, to a certain extent and it was pretty apparent to me that that was the, the defensive game point and and not always you know there's there's a few times where they, they were trying to you know bring an extra defender or, or, or really trying to affect him um but it was it was i mean he's a hard player to, to play i mean he's he's not lamar jackson but he has a lot of the same attributes as lamar jackson in terms of his ability to scramble you know make plays with his feet there was a couple of ridiculous plays where oa you thought had him dead to rights and he just managed to do some crazy spin move and get out of it. Like there was a play on a fourth down that like, it was like six yards behind the line of scrimmage and OA was right in front of him. And he managed to get around him and pick up the first down with his legs. Another one that was in the last drive, he was able to kind of do a crazy, like step up in the pocket and spin back around and then find a receiver on, on the sideline. It was just like, how do you, how do you stop that? I mean, it's basically a bigger version of Lamar Jackson like this is what we see on our end all the time it's like oh my god that's an amazing play I was kind of getting that kind of same treatment that we're used to having you know rooting our guy on but it was more of the opposite and it's like oh this really sucks when that happens to you you know so I agreed that the game plan was to contain him the game plan wasn't working didn't work for the entirety of the game and there was no adjustment to do a better job of containing him that's that's more the point that I'm trying to make here like Josh Allen ran like crazy consistently even though the Ravens were trying to contain him and they found no way to do so during the game and made no meaningful adjustment during the game to do so and that's why in the second half there was so much success on the Bills part both running the ball and for Josh Allen the thing I'd say about Owe and Queen on the dump out when he he had the spin move, you these guys have to, the players have to be able to trust and understand what their roles are in those situations, right? Like when Josh Allen pump fakes the ball as Owe is coming down on him, he has to trust that he is a huge mammoth human being and that he's going to alter the Josh Allen's throw and not leave his feet in that situation. When Patrick Queen is the backside defender on a bootleg action, he cannot crash inside the backside action and let Josh Allen have an opportunity to spin out or at least give himself a chance to make the tackle. I think there was a little hero ball-ish going on in some of those moments where guys were trying to do a little too much and not trusting the quality of what they had behind them. Um, and I found that to be frustrating. But, I mean, yes, you know, this is what it looks like when, when Lamar Jackson runs all over everybody. But the whole league has reverted to that and now sticks eight guys in the box just about every play to stop Lamar Jackson from running all over them. It felt like the Ravens were more than content to let Josh Allen kind of have those runs. There was even a bobble snap that he ran for a first down, right? Like, it was, they were just giving him the lane up the middle. Queen and Bynes were not the solution. Um, and I don't think that they're—I don't think—I would say in that situation, McDonald didn't make an adjustment um, to be able to stop that part of the game. That being said, you know, the defense wasn't ultimately— the biggest part of the problem in this game. Um, and it came down to offense, and it came down to the second half. And, I mean, it really, you know, to me, it boils down to offensive line. If the Ravens are going to get a poor offensive line performance, and in this instance, four guys were rushing and consistently getting pressure, then Lamar Jackson is going to get spooked, and he's going to stop ste stepping up in the pocket, and you're going to get exactly what you saw in this game. The reason Lamar Jackson has been so good this season is because consistently he's felt comfortable enough to step up in the pocket when he has to and find opportunities. On the fourth and two play at the end of the game, 
If Lamar Jackson steps up at, or has the space to step up or trusts himself to step up the pocket and is looking to throw, it's an easy touchdown to Devin DuVernay. Um, and maybe the conversation is completely different at this point. But he had so much pressure in his face, consistently getting sprung free between the stunts and whatever the Bills were doing. You know, he, I, he seemed to lose his confidence and, it, it, you know, had very real shades of 2021. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that Lamar was spooked. Um, and I I actually don't think the pressure was as bad as, as you're making it out to be, though. I mean, there were definitely there were times when he got pressure. Um, it, it wasn't always a clean pocket for him. But th- there was also a good stretch of the game where he did have a pretty clean pocket. Um, this, the weird thing was that it was, in this game, the right side of the offensive line that seemed to be worse than the left side, which is strange because you have Ben Powers and... Daniel Falele on the left side, you wouldn't think those are your, your better pass protectors. You'd think your veteran right side of the line would be, but it seemed like that a Zeitler and Moses actually struggled a lot more in this game in terms of pass pro. Um, but, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think, I, I, I mean, just focusing on Lamar for this instance, like, I thought he had easily his worst game of the year as, as, a, as a passer. Um, he missed multiple throws. I mean, I just don't think he was comfortable the entire game. Part of that probably was due to the pressure they were speaking to, to. But even, you know, before that, like, there was opportunities to go up in the first half big in this game, and and he just missed some throws. Uh, and that's not what we've seen so far this year. Um, and I don't know if it was the weather. Um, you know, that's something that we've seen in the past in some of these games. You know, back in 2019, I think there was a game against San Francisco that the weather was kind of poor and you didn't have his best game. You know, 2020, there was that monsoon game against the Patriots. Like, I mean, this isn't an abnormal thing. A lot of quarterbacks don't do well in, in poor weather, but it seems to kind of affect um, the Ravens' offense in a, in a much bigger way than it does against some teams because I think it reduces the kind of dynamism of, of Lamar and his ability to do things both as a runner and as a passer, and then when your offense is so focused on one player doing, you know, incredible things all the time, you kind of take that away or tone that down, and it makes the whole offense kind of fall apart a little bit. Because this is, you know, a very offense that's dependent on, on Lamar Jackson being very good at what he does. And, and when he has a poor game, I think the offense in turn is also going to have a poor day. Yeah, it's... I also think part of it was that J.K. Dobbins ran out of gas in the second half, um, especially on on the, uh, what was it, third and, second and one, third and one after the DuVernay catch on the, um, inside the red zone. He had a cutback lane into the middle of the, into the middle of kind of the offensive line and he just wasn't able to get there. He just looked like, he just looked like he was gassed, which is not, you know, there's no, you know, there's no criticism there for a guy coming back off this injury, kind of building back up, doing all that. But once, once Justice Hill went out, um, you know, he made it really tough. You saw Mike Davis on the field for that fourth town play instead of J.K. Dobbins. And so it's just like situationally, you know, some of these things are things that the, the team is going to get over and will be able to fix. You're not going to play in weather all the time. It does seem like, and maybe it has something to do with how Lamar holds the ball. Because even in the Jets game, he still had some really good throws, but there were moments where it really did feel like he wasn't able to throw as effectively and it got away from him a little bit. Um, as well. So hopefully it's just a weather factor for this team. They can get it back together. You know, the pressure wasn't immense, but I, I, it wasn't clean. Um, and maybe if Lamar knew he wasn't throwing the ball well, as also, you know, that was part of it. Um, you know, I think the other thing I throw out about the offense is like, what happened to what we saw last week? 
Like the counter bash was gone. <laughs> it, it was there yeah. last week and it was phenomenal. And then this week it gets a team that only rushes four, right? And and really condensed into the middle of the field, stays tight to the box, probably could have been really stressed to the edges. It went away, even when Bateman went out, right? Like, it, And when Bateman went out, I thought, okay, now we're going to see this come back, right? Because they've got to go back to their bread and butter. They've got to go back to the thing they're working with. And they didn't, but they stayed in those same type formations. And if they don't, they're going to stay in the type formations, and they're not going to run counter bash. They're not going to be successful, um, you know, in some of those situations, I feel like. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the things that I took away from this game was it was, it was actually interesting, um, I guess, combination because some of the run games things that they did was very effective um and uh, i was on twitter yesterday kind of going through some of the plays that were interesting to me in this game and and several there's one one thing that showed up repeatedly i think it was three or four times i ran it they did this lamar under center who do a quick like fake pass and then a delayed handoff and they gave it once to dobbins he had like a 15 yard run in the middle they did a couple times to justice hill he had you know 10 15 yard runs on it each time it worked really, really well, um, and it was, you know, a new wrinkle, something that we hadn't really seen. And I think there's some things you can do off of it. You can do, you know, maybe a play action from that. You can give to Lamar as a keeper. You can, um, you know, I think it's it's an interesting thing you can build off of. So it's, it's a good little wrinkle that I think they've added, and it worked really well in this game. So I like that. But to your point, they also did this kind of condensed, heavy formation on, on several plays, and it was oftentimes on a first down run, and they, there was no motion, there was no kind of deception. Um, they did this like this like pyramid formation. I, I know you, I'm sure everybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about, where you have you know basically everybody in the middle of the field, and you have running back or tight end on one side, and another side, and there's like another running back behind Lamar, and it's like everybody's in this small kind of condensed area. And I know. It, in theory, it gives you the option to kind of, you know, go on either side and, like, the defense doesn't know where, where it's coming from necessarily, but it's also bringing nine guys into the box, and it's a, often a slow-developing play, and the Ravens just got destroyed every single time they did that kind of play. And I don't know why Greg Roman, like, has this need to kind of... He has to, like, slam guys into the, this wall of, of defenders That's if you don't block it up perfectly, it's going to turn to a negative play and, and we saw that multiple times and that's a big reason why you know, the Ravens were forced to throw into some like third and long situations because on first down they got away from you know the play action game they got away from the quick RPOs that were working um, and started doing this really boring heavy jumbo package run game that just wasn't working and I I don't understand why they have to get back to that you know I, I feel like Last week, they, they used jumbo formations, but they used it much more creatively, um, and they did more play-action passing out of it, and this week, it, it kind of went away, and that led to a lot of drives that fizzled out when they were you know ahead in the game and probably couldn't afford to take their foot off the gas, but unfortunately, they got a little conservative. Greg Roman got into his old Greg Roman self and, 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 and allowed the Bills to get back in the game, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, it's... <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, everything that they were doing in New England was working so much more effectively. And I guess, like, you don't want to come out with the same game plan. You don't want to give away yada, 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 yada. But it was working. 
and they never and New England never stopped it. So why get away from that stylistically and all that? And maybe it was the weather. I think Stanley probably there might have been a chance he plays without the weather. It's like similar to the Jets game where I think that the Ravens are, you know, not wanting to try and risk some of their guys, you know, in some of those circumstances. So they want to make sure that that's tight and safe. But, you know, Overall, it's just so frustrating to to watch and to see an offense led by Lamar Jackson score zero points in the second half of a game. Now, obviously, the Bateman injury is part of that. Um, once Bateman went out, they de- the Bills were definitely heavier into the box. But that's why Demarcus Robinson is here, right? Devin DuVernay is capable of running those routes off the top of the defense. When they bring those nine guys into the box, you've got to get the play calls in quicker and you've got to give Lamar the leverage to be able to check out of those and take shots in those circumstances. I think I saw somewhere his average depth of target in this game was like less than five yards. And overall, for the year, it's been over 11. It's like there was very clearly a difference in how this game was called than the others so far this year. And so hopefully it was just the weather and it's yeah. just an anomaly and we move on and we'll get over it. But, I, you know, the stretch the, stretch the field run the deep targets, give Lamar options about what that looks like, and let him check those at the line, that's obviously the formula for success. And I would throw counterbash in there with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I think the counterbash is one of the most effective play calls that they run. They've run it you know, over the past you know, I guess three seasons now, and it's 90% of the time it's, it's effective. I mean, it's, it's not something you want to do every time because I think eventually you know, teams are going to be able to figure it out. But it's just especially, you know, when you have someone like Lamar Jackson, who is such a threat, you have to account for it. And you can do things off of it, too. Like, you, you can run play action from those same looks. You use the jet motion and, you know, throw a screen off of it. Or, you know, there's so many things, and it's easy yards. If you, if you just use that same kind of window dressing, like, over and over again, like, and just keep teams off balance, I mean, you, you could run similar motions and similar formations, like, 25% of the time and just do different things off of it. And I, I don't see why it's not like a foundational element. A lot of the best offenses in the NFL do that. They have like very similar action that they use over and over again, but you have several different options that you can do with it. And it just keeps defenses off balance. And when it's effective at its core, it's just hard to defend. And I feel like the Ravens get away from what they do best. And that's when they're, you know, getting in these like second and tens or second and elevens and then you you know drop back to pass and you get sacked or you get a false start and that and then you're just like that's a drive that's over basically so like unless hard does something amazing it's a drive that's killed and most most quarterbacks you get behind the sticks like that are going to are going to fail in those situations so I, I agree with you i think that you know bateman is um, obviously a player that's very important to this offense, and if he's going to be out for a significant amount of time, whether that's one or two weeks, anything longer is going to be probably very problematic for this team. They need to figure something out because, yeah, they brought in Robinson and, and DuVernay. You know, he's been a pleasant surprise this year, but teams obviously are not giving the same amount of respect to those players. Um, and I think that you have to do something, bring in somebody else, make a trade, um, there's probably somebody out there, you know, bad team four weeks into the season. They have, like, I don't know, a first-round receiver, second-round receiver, end of his contract. I, I saw, you know, DJ Moore floated around. Like, the Carolina Panthers are going nowhere fast. Like, local guy, like, it makes a lot of sense. You throw, throw a third-round pick, throw, like, a third and fourth, whatever it takes. You know, you get a playmaker on this field. And even if you have Bateman healthy, having those two guys along with DuVernay, like, 
that would make this offense a much more dynamic version of itself. And you just have more threats on the field. I think that there's no way you can go wrong with doing something like that. I mean, adding, right. I, I, in the sense that like, if you add a better player to this team, the team will be better being the logic. I like, I'm not going to disagree with that. Right. Like how, how could anybody disagree with that? Like the Ravens could add three really good wide receivers and the offense would be better if they did that. Right. So like, I, I don't, to me, that's not really the question. The question is, can this offense be successful without doing that? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Like, like you just have to give Demarcus Robinson those opportunities and the looks you've got to don't run them on a, a seven yard stick route, like run them on a deep route. Right. Like, Instead of running all these routes that are like the crossers and the mesh that keep all the linebackers up to the line of scrimmage, which we saw a ton in this Buffalo game, put them into depth, right? Like give Lamar an opportunity to make a choice to either make the throw or run by them, right? And so, you know, I don't know in this game if the ultimate reason they didn't do that is because, you know, they know that in weather, particularly rain, the Lamar isn't great throwing the ball and he's uncomfortable throwing the ball. So they, they didn't want to try and force him into throwing it deep because he wasn't going to be comfortable on it. But, I mean, quite frankly, both his interceptions were not on deep passes. Like, that that wasn't that wasn't the looks. And the deep passes that he did make weren't terribly accurate. But I think they could be functional with, with Robinson, Duvernay, and Prochet, honestly, at wide receiver overall. I think the bigger question is, do they have enough running backs to get by? I mean, Kenyon Drake was signed to start the year in healthy scratch two weeks in a row that was a waste of a million dollars in cap space like what was what was the point of signing mike davis at all he had two snaps in this game right like what what is going on like like what are where is the decision making in some of that process like that you know and i know nate mccrary ended up getting banged up and i know you know tyson williams was a guy that the ravens never were willing to ever give a chance but it just feels like there were there are easier ways to fill those opportunities, especially in a position where there's a lot of talent at on practice squads all across the league, and the Ravens just, for whatever reason, you know, can't seem, cannot seem to get it right. Um, and they desperately missed Gus Edwards in this game. I think that would have made a big difference if he was healthy. You know, if it was a fully healthy Dobbins and Edwards. Um, you know, I'm also, you know, I, I think this this game comes out as a win. Well, good news is that Edwards was removed from the pup list today, so he is at least going to be back practicing. The Ravens have like two, three weeks to get him back up to speed and then make the decision to either activate him or to put him on the IR. Hopefully that means they feel comfortable with where he's at and he will come and you know make a contribution to them this year. So, that, I mean, that's the positive. It's not going to be next week, most likely, but we will see him you know in the sh- near future. Um, I, I mean, I agree with you about Edwards, or I mean, not Edwards, uh, Kenyon Drake. Um, it was kind of a surprise that they they brought him in, like, right before the start of the year. Um, obviously, it's a million-dollar mistake, um, and that, you know, on a team that's very close to the salary cap, you know, that's, that's not something that you want to do lightly. Um, you could have just kept Tyler Beatty. You know, like, is, is he that much worse than Kenyon Drake? Um, I mean, I don't know, maybe, but... I, Drake has did literally nothing, and now he's just you know wasted roster spot. So, I think that was clearly a mistake. And Mike Davis, at least he was on on the roster the entire offseason. They didn't know what they were going to get out of Edwards and Dobbins. It makes a little sense to have somebody as a veteran to be around at least as a as an insurance plan. Um, but he's obviously not done much either. So, it is troubling, especially with Justice Hill. I thought he's been their best running back the past two weeks. So, it's unfortunate that he got hurt. 
I think they dodged a bullet with it. It sounds like it's a hamstring strain. It's not too severe. So, you know, he might be out for a couple weeks and then hopefully back. But he's been explosive. He's been someone that I think this is what we always wanted Justice Hill to be, and we never really saw it. But, you know, he's been that guy this year, and I wasn't expecting it out of him. I think if you're asking me the two big surprises on this team, it's been Devin Duvernay and Justice Hill in terms of what they've offered um, on offense, things that, you know, I wasn't expecting to see. They hadn't really shown before the season. So props to them for, you know, you know having a, a, a good start to the season. Um, I'm hope <laughs> Buttercup agrees. <laughs> Um, that that is my my big old uh, barking in the background there. <laughs> Greens with Gabe. Um, so it's you know it's sad that Hill kind of got hurt in, in a game where he was really picking up speed. He was that drive where they moved the ball down the field like ninety yards. He was a big factor in that. He had two big runs in the beginning. He had a big run. Might have been a touchdown if he didn't pull up lame um, on that run. So. It really sucks for Hill. It really sucks for this team because he was, you know, on the poise or poised to, I think, have like a pretty big contribution moving forward. You know, with him and Dobbins, you know, you have a nice one-two with that. And then Edwards getting back. So, I don't know. The running back position is not great. Tight end, you know, we thought was looking great. What happened to Isaiah Likely, the player that who had the best preseason ever, and now he's just barely on the field and when he is on the field every every single time the teams seem to know what's coming and he gets ignored on in the running game and i don't know it's just like he seems like he's lost um and it seems like he's kind of not part of the offense like i, I don't get what, what he's out there for it's it's like i know they don't really have any options i guess nick boyle's still banged up he's a playing special teams and nothing else so it's like this is just a position that we thought was going to be a huge strength obviously mark andrews has been great but like you don't really get anything else out of that position and josh oliver is a nothing like it's just really really disappointing what's going on from that position we thought was going to be a strength and it's really just mark andrews and nothing else yeah i the likely thing is stunning actually you know and it doesn't i you know i and from what i have seen and i've not watched a ton of all 22 this year but what from what i've seen is it's not that it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing it just seems like he's not being utilized terribly effectively you know he was great in the flats catching the ball great up the seams you know in the preseason that's where we saw a lot of success on his part I feel like we have not seen a lot of opportunities for likely in that manner um, now that the regular season has started. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of time to have some evolution there. You've got a guy that you know could be a potential playmaker. You've got to figure out a way to unlock him, particularly if Rashad Bateman is, is going to be miss any serious amount of time. J.K. Dobbins, you know, you've got to give him some time to be able to get back up to speed. I do think that, you know, if he was, you know, didn't run out of gas, I think that, again another situation where the, the Ravens probably win this game because then when Justice Hill went down you know he was he was driving kind of the offense in that regard but I but also it was you know the opportunities were there in terms of the run the, the play calls were right but once he once he ran out of gas you're not going to get anything out of it anymore yeah let's talk about that sequence really quick because you know the, the Ravens have moved the ball down down the field I think they started it was maybe at the, like their nine or their it was very close to it was inside the 10. Um, Justice Hill had a couple of nice runs to get out. Um, I think there's a big PI to Andrews that um, you know, got, got some chunk yards. You know, that was the most obvious PI ever. If they would have missed that one, that would have been ridiculous. He basically ta- they basically tackled him. Um, you know, another nice run to to Hill, um, and then 
Duvernay on, on a first and goal from like I think the ten had an amazing catch. Um, he caught it at the one yard line, got touched down. Looked like I thought for a second he might not have been touched and could have gotten in the end zone, but okay, so he got touched down. Next play, they go into this jumbo formation. Um, it's like basically everybody lined up on the line of scrimmage, the same as the stuff we saw in the Miami game that they failed at. Well, they failed again. Morgan Moses whiffs on his block. Literally the exact same thing we saw in the Miami game. Morgus, Morgus, Moses did the exact same thing. He tried to like initiate contact and he just whiffed on the block. Um, and that forced, you know, the pooler and forced Ricard, who was, you know, the lead blocker to kind of like take his guy. And, and by that point, bouncing it outside was gone. That's where the play was designed to go. You mentioned earlier J.K. Dobbins having a lane to cut back. There was a lane, you know, right up the middle. And it might not have been a touchdown, but it wasn't going to go for a four-yard loss. If he cuts it up the middle, there was there was a linebacker to fill it. But if he goes low and kind of drives it, I think he scores on that. But I don't know if he, he was just following where his blocker was supposed to go and didn't see it. But it was, the play was right in front of him, though. And, you know, he probably saw a linebacker. I, I he really might have do. been. He might have been, It wasn't yeah. just that run. I, I mean, Hill was in for this whole drive before that, I think. Because on the, the previous drive, when Jackson threw the interception, Dobbins just, he just looked toast. I think he had, a, like, a two-yard loss. Then he had the... Um, the catch after that, that was a big loss. I mean, he just he just looked gassed. Yeah, um, he, he looked like he didn't have his legs under him. You're right. And so, I, I agree with that. So then why is Mike Davis not... Like, what is the point of having my, a third running back on the roster if all you're going to do is drive the guy into the ground that, that very clearly to me looked like he didn't have the legs or the desire to have the vision because he knew he, he didn't have the strength there for it. It, it? That was just what frustrated me. So anyway, continue. So, so the, now they're pushed back from the one to the four. Um, and then I forget what the personnel was. Uh, uh, like I think it was 12 personnel and likely was on the field. Um, he actually is, is open. You know, that play was really frustrating because he, he's just in the slot. He runs a little like, kind of like option route, and he's wide open. Nobody was anywhere close to him. Lamar decides to take the ball and scramble, but instead of like having his eyes up and seeing likely wide open in front of him, he stumbles and trips and falls down at like the two. If he had just kept his feet, it would have been one of the easiest touchdowns you ever see because likely nobody was within five yards of him. It was. He would, it was he just would like, also if he wouldn't have fallen down, he would have run it. He would have ran it in. He, he, just, he might he have just tripped. He but just no, tripped. There, there was a defender like right there waiting for him. There was five. There's always a defender right there waiting for him, and he always gets out of it. I mean, if if he would have kept his feet, I'm convinced that he would have either thrown it or run it in for a touchdown. Yeah. But he tripped. So, but and, and that's just the unfortunate. I mean, that's the, maybe the weather. Maybe it's just you know, bad luck. Whatever. And then you know the last play. We already talked about it a little bit. Um, it was a really well-crafted play design. It was it was a it was a play that was meant to beat cover two. You had Duvernay and you had Andrews kind of like lined up staggered in the slot basically, and they do like a switch kind of route where Duvernay takes an inside release and then like trails out to hit the back pylon, which is a zone, which is like an empty void in, in cover two. And not only would he have been open in a regular cover two scheme, but the he's the, the safety which should kind of cover that back corner sucked in to cover Andrews. So not only was it well designed from just a conceptual standpoint, but like the, it was a blown coverage as well. But because of, you know, I, I don't know what Lamar was even looking at. He was looking at a receiver that wasn't even there. Where, where if, you, if you watch his eyes in that play, he was looking to the left and the only person who was there was Mike Davis. He was open, but he didn't see Davis who was open. So then he sees, feels pressure. He starts drifting back in the pocket. And that by the time he sees Duvernay, it's too late. Um, and this is just like the frustrating part of it is 
the play was there to be had. You know, and we talked about missed opportunities earlier. This was a missed opportunity, but to the nth degree. You had the ball second and one at the goal line. Easy, easy score. Three times you could have gotten in, and you failed every single time. I don't know why this team can't execute in these critical situations at the end of games, but that's, you know, the, the, those two games that have losses are because of these situations. On third and short, fourth and short, moments to win the game, you failed in those situations. And maybe, yeah, the, the coaches could have done something different. I, I don't think it's necessarily on the coaches in this one. I think the players are just failing. I think this one, to me, this game was on Lamar Jackson. If, if I, I know people are going to hate that, but if I'm putting blame on player, on anything for this game, Lamar Jackson's number one. I think two is like offensive line slash scheme issues in offense, and three is the defense not coming through at the end. But like, this was one of the worst games Lamar has had in a, in a while, probably dating back to before he got injured last year. Um, and it's so uncharacteristic of him based off what we've seen recently. It was just like surprising not to see him make the plays that he's been making. And the plays were there to be had. And it's not like he had to do something extraordinary to make it happen. It was just part of the scheme of the offense and he just didn't make the plays. And that's just disappointing to see. And, you know, if, if he, if this is the one game where he's, you know, bad, then that's, that's fine. Hopefully he's much better the rest of the season. But like, I hate to put all the blame on his feet because it's not all on him, but like he needs to be better. If he's your MVP quarterback, he wants to be the guy who's making, you know, $250 million guaranteed. You can't miss those plays. Like there's, there's just no excuse for that. And maybe that's going to rub some people the wrong way, but that's just the way I feel about it. Well, Josh Allen turned it up when he needed to, and Lamar Jackson in his game did not, right? I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any other way to describe it than that. I would the, the distinct difference, I would say, is that the way Buffalo runs their scheme is they run three or four receivers deep, like 15 yards deep on every single play, and then Josh Allen has these wide lanes to run through. What I don't understand, and I think that you probably agree with me, is if you're going to lean into running the ball in a situation like this, then lean it, and you want to call, like Lamar Jackson had some monster scrambles in this game, right? On the third and 12 play, where he picks up the first down, huge scramble, but that that's one of those instances where they ran everybody deep, right? Because you got to run the guys to the sticks to pick up the first down. So everybody's run to the sticks, and Lamar has the space to actually run. When you're running two or three crossers and you have a guy stuck in the middle, of course there's no space to run. Spread these guys out, let them run deep routes, if they're not there, let Lamar take off and make that the edict because you don't tr- like, and it's not that you don't trust him to throw the ball. If he can't throw the ball in weather, at least give him the lanes to take advantage of his legs or run counter bash and give him more of the options to make him more of a threat. Utilize the part of his game that distinguishes him the most. The Ravens never even gave him the opportunity to do that. Like in a, in a game with this much rain, and I know people don't like to see Lamar running the ball. 11 carries, given that like three or four of those were scrambles, I think was not enough. I, I think that you need more opportunities to give your best runner, especially once J.K. Dobbins was seemed like he was out of gas, give your best runner the opportunity to pick up those runs and pick up those yards. Yeah, I mean, I think in the goal line it's tough because I think that's what teams expect. I don't, I don't think he has that option necessarily, unless it's kind of like a, a naked bootleg maybe, but... We'll never find out because the Ravens refuse to spread out when they get to the goal line, right? Like, like That's they true. literally let everybody pack into the line of scrimmage, and then they li- literally try and run straight through it every single time. And, yeah, from time to time they run play action and they score touchdowns, or they run yeah. shovel passes and they score touchdowns. Otherwise, they just run into a brick wall. Like, yeah. we literally don't know in the end zone if the Ravens ran spread, whether Lamar Jackson would have success or not, because the Ravens refuse to do it. I, th- I think especially from the second and and goal from the one, 
in that play, you know, that just lining ten guys up along the line of scrimmage or eight guys, whatever it is. I, I hate that. Like, it's, I mean, yeah, it, I guess it worked on earlier in the game, like different set of circumstances. I think. I think, and it wasn't on the goal line either. You know, you were further back. Like, there's things you can do there. I, I just, I would, I agree with you. I would rather see them spread it out there and give give some space to Lamar Jackson. And like, all you need is someone to whiff on one tackle and, and you know, he's in. But like. He did have well, that opportunity. Hard. I mean, they had, yeah. a, they had a fullback yeah, dive earlier that worked. They, you know, that Mark Andrews play. It's just like you've got to do something different because the power run game in those situations is just like like teams are playing it like they're expecting it, and until Greg Roman goes away from it completely, teams are going to continue to defend it that way. And you can't just run two shovel passes in for a touchdown and expect that the whole world's going to change the way they defend you. You know, they spent all week prepping for it the other way. You already saw one touchdown go in successfully on the shovel pass. Go back to it. Like, force that, force them to show you that they've changed their hand before you decide to go back to your default play, play call. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and they, they've used some creative play calls in the past. Like, I don't understand why you have to go back to something that is, that is like, just Neanderthal style. Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and even on the, the touchdown run that was kind of like a jumbo package, that was still left, though. They ran behind Falele. Running behind Moses is not working for you. It's in, in these short yardage situations, Moses is not winning in those scenarios. We've seen multiple times he is getting beat at the point of attack. You know, these defenders are using like a swim over move and like he's too slow out of his stance to get on these guys and, and it's blowing up these plays. It's killing it's putting it's making them dead from the start. And you know, you, you just can't do that. And do you, you have to see that it's not working. You can't go back to the same thing, it's not working. Do you think there's a chance that after Stanley comes back that Philele takes Moses' spot on the right side? I think there's a chance. I mean, I don't think Moses has been that good. Like, he's been okay. He hasn't been bad in pass protection. He hasn't been, like, amazing either. Um, I think this is probably his worst game in, in terms of pass pro. Um, but it's he's not a good run blocker, I don't think. I, I don't think you can use him in the same way that you could potentially use Philele. And... I don't know. It's it's been what I guess two games of Valele, and he's been pretty good. Like he had some issues early on um, against Patriots. Obviously, he didn't have those same issues in this game. He he was much cleaner in pass pro, and I think he is a a much more robust run blocker than than what Moses can give you. And if, if nothing else, he's a bigger body, um, and and he's not going to get beat in the same ways that that Moses was. So, I. I'm hesitant that to think it'll happen because you know you you invested a decent chunk of money in Moses. It wasn't a huge contract, but like you know that there's a bit of a veteran kind of lean that Harbaugh tends to go with. Um, if there is you know a, cons- a consistent you know two three weeks of poor play out of Moses, I think a, a change might be made. I don't think it'll be made right away though. I wouldn't write it off as something that could happen. I mean. When Orlando Brown, for instance, was 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 a rookie, it took him a while to get crack the starting lineup, even though he was obviously a better option than I think was James Hurst, who was playing right tackle at that point. So we might see a similar situation if if you know Moses isn't looking like he's getting it done in some of these situations, then maybe that's the thing you, as the move to make and just have him as kind of like your reserve, you know, tackle, um, which isn't the worst thing in the world to do. But I wouldn't see it happen right away. Um, at least at least not. Um, unless there's some, like, significant performance issues. And it wasn't all bad on offense. You know, I think that there are a couple things that you and I have both seen that we really liked. I, You know, the run-pass option stuff that has developed, I think, is 
Like the Ravens refuse to lean into it. I, I would I would run it way more. Like probably like twenty times a game more because it's deathly. Because teams don't know what to do. They don't know what to lock in. Like you add in like the fake handoff with Lamar and the opportunity to throw, and teams just don't know who to cover because they they can't cover everybody. And Lamar is a threat to score in those situations all by himself every single time, and it freezes. It sucks everybody into him and it creates opportunities for him to make the decision about whether he sees a running line for the running back or whether he wants to throw the ball to some what have been wide open guys in those circumstances because the guys in the flats are closing in on Lamar we saw the play to Andrews last week we saw um, a play to Andrews this week that got called back by Falele being illegally downfield but the opportunities are there I like that install is one that I would not get away from because it's not that I don't think that there's something to figure out for other teams. Like if the Ravens offensive line can figure out how to block that up, not get illegally downfield, how to, how to kind of do that all correctly. It's going to be really hard for teams to defend that. Yeah. I mean, and even one of the plays that we talked about earlier with like that fake, that fake pass, like you could turn that into an RPO. You know, if there's a, you could have the wide receiver out there who is, you know, coming in kind of like a tunnel screen. And if it looks like he's, open and there's you know nobody like directly on him and you can just take that pass and then you have still have blockers out in front who would be you know used if it's a handoff as well and you can kind of turn that into a, a two-way option with that um obviously you know that's just one opportunity from that same kind of play design but you know some of the other rpos we've seen have, have been very effective you know there was one in this game that got called back because file was a little too far downfield but the, you know it was just a quick out pass to Andrews that would have gone for like eight yards. Um, those are easy yards, and there's no reason why this offense shouldn't be trying to, to pick those up. Like, if the if the defensive look is the correct look, you should take those yards every single time. It should be a natural, like, and we've talked about this as well, it should be a natural check for the Ravens to get immediately to the line of scrimmage to look and see if there is a quick giveaway in that circumstance, and then if there isn't, then get the play call in. Then you know if you want to sub, you can make a sub. But there, like, like there are there are yards being left on the field when it comes to those plays overall. Um, and, you know, we talked about wanting to see more of the counter bash. I think we've seen a lot more athleticism from this offensive line overall, and the the upside is only higher with Ronnie Stanley kind of on the mend and hopefully coming back. And the screen pass game is the most effective I can remember it since Ray Rice. Yeah, that, that's a good point. It's not something that we've seen the Ravens do in probably the better part of a decade. Um, I, I think, you know, part of that is, like you said, the athleticism that's been there or hasn't been there on the offensive line in the recent years. They've had a, kind of a lot of plotters. They haven't really been drafting, like, high draft picks who are more on the athletic side. It's kind of like these mid-round guys who are just kind of like, no offense, but they're, they're not the guys you, you want out there in open space, like, connecting on blocks. But with Linderbaum now, you know, um, you know, Zeitler's decent. I think Stanley, I know when they have Makari, he's a little bit more athletic too. Um, you know, Stanley definitely is. You know, they've talked about him looking like he's the best shape he's been in in his life. I I, I have no doubt to see or believe that. You know, I've seen him, some of the clips of him, and he looks fantastic in my opinion, just some of those practice clips. He looks like he's cut up and he looks strong and he looks like nimble. Um, and if you have him and like Linderbaum out front, you know, clearing the way for some of these you know, running backs, I mean, even a tight end screen to like Likely or Andrews, those could be very explosive plays for you. And I think that's something that we could use as just easy offense. Almost every one of the best 
offenses in the NFL use those plays effectively and, and repeatedly. And if it's not used as, you know, a real play, it's used as kind of window dressing for something else and setting up like a, a run or setting up, you know, a play action pass over the top. You know, there's just, when you put those kind of things on tape, it just makes defenses a little less aggressive. It makes them, you know, a little bit less more hesitant to crowd the box in front of you. So it's just some of those things that really give you more options in the offense. Um, I, and I thought we saw our offense headed in that direction, and we still see some elements of it even in this past week where the offense struggled. You just have to get rid of the stuff that's not working and, and focus on the things that are. Yeah, totally. Well, and I, I mean, you get some a little bit of that on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we have seen, you know, when I was talking to Ken earlier today, I called it a Stars and Scrubs kind of performance from this, you know, from the defense overall, where we have seen really really effective performances from Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, now that he's kind of back to his full-time role. Um, Adafe Owe has played really well. Houston was playing really well when he was there, and Justin Matabike. And then um, Clayus Campbell, I think, has been above average. I wouldn't say elite. And then everywhere else, it seems like a totally leaky sieve. Um, and they're seeding all of it back. I left Marcus Williams off that list, too. So it's just, it's stunning to me that you can you can have these kind of quality performance, like, and when I say quality, really high quality performances coming from some of your guys, and at the same time, still see these huge gaps in total, kind of total overall performance, but I think they're knocking on the door of being able to figure out how to utilize Peters, Humphrey, and Marcus Williams as kind of that tandem on the back end really, really effectively um, in a way that's going to make it really hard for other teams to, to score on the Ravens once they kind of get it kind of fully figured out. Yeah, I still think the biggest missing piece is the bodies up front, especially the edge rushers. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we've seen some of the poor play in later halves of games is because these guys are on the field for 50, 60 reps. It's not something that the Ravens typically do with their edge guys. And, you know, I know there are edge defenders around the league who play like almost every snap. So it's not like you can't do it, but I I don't think it keeps you at your best. And when, especially when you have a Houston or a JPP who are, you know, in their like mid thirties, like these aren't young chickens out there. They don't necessarily have the ability to, run around like i mean adafi owe like he's what like 22 or 23 he should be able to be out there a lot of the snaps um and i think you know he's kind of gotten a bad rap this year i I think he's played pretty well i think he's you know he's made plays he's forced a couple fumbles he's you know he had the only sack in this past game he's been consistently getting pressure you'd like him to turn some of those pressures into quarterback hits and sacks but you know i think that's going to come over the course of the season sometimes it's kind of just like a luck kind of thing um but I'm not too upset with the way he's played so far. Um, Matabike, that you mentioned, he's been like playing his ass off. He's been incredible um, making plays in the run game and in the pass game. Like he's just one of the more consistent guys up front. And you know, I thought Travis Jones, like he he played decent in this game. I I think he's he's someone you can count on moving forward. So it's not all bad news, but you know, it does make you question. You have a lot of guys who are saying they're playing well. Why isn't it working as an overall unit? So there have to be some like weak pieces. And I think all you have to do is look at the middle of the field. And it's Patrick Queen and, you know, to a lesser extent, Josh Bynes. I think he's been better, but he's not, like, a standout performer either. And it's just you have these two guys who are on the field a lot because um, for some reason they haven't tried to put more safeties on the field. We can talk a little bit about that maybe in a second. But they're probably the weakest players on the team in terms of, like, what they're doing on a down-to-down basis for your, for your on a defense. And, you know, Patrick Queen had a couple of nice plays, a couple of nice pressures when he's, like, 
used as a blitzer, but like if that's the only thing you're good at, you shouldn't be on the field for every single snap. And he, we mentioned the play where he had like a uh, a contain on on the Josh Allen thing. He's kind of like completely misread the play and didn't see the the play, the play action keeper and just like completely overran it. There's another play where he was like he read you know, like a run and it was like this wide like slow developing kind of like toss play or, or yeah, pitch play. Yeah. And instead of like containing the play and forcing it back inside where he had multiple defenders to help him out, he cut on the other side and inside the blocker and missed it and he went to play hero ball like you mentioned earlier and tried to get like this six or seven yard loss and instead it turned into a 17 yard gain because he didn't play his assignment and like that's the kind of thing that we've seen over and over and over again from patrick queen and i don't understand why there hasn't been a move to just say we've had enough of this guy i feel like last year they kind of got a little bit tired of it and took him off the field a little bit more and maybe that would have happened if you had better linebackers behind him, but I don't think you do, unfortunately. So I don't know what the choice is other than going to safety, like playing three or four safeties on a regular basis. And that will leave you a little bit vulnerable against the run, but frankly, like Patrick Queen isn't the best run defender out there either. So like I'm not sure what benefit you're getting by keeping him out there. No, the Ravens run the Ravens run defense hasn't been good either. So it's not like it's not like you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in this circumstance. Josh Bynes looks like he's finally lost a step, and you know he he was able to use his instincts and his smarts to stay ahead of what was in front of him before. He just can't do that now. Uh, the Ravens have like you know you care you're carrying all these inside linebackers on your roster. Like give Christian Welsh, give uh, K1 Phillips, give. Um, I mean, Ross is on the IR. Isn't there another inside linebacker on the route? Oh, Malik Harrison. Like, give, like honestly, and I'm probably the, like, I, I feel very strongly that Malik Harrison is not very good at inside linebacker. And I would rather see him out there right now than Patrick Queen, right? Like, at least he stays disciplined. At least when teams are trying to isolate him, you can tell. Like, you can, you can work and adjust on it. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, the thing for me that I see with this team is that they need to start playing better as a unit collectively together to understand what the play call... Like, that's when... Like, what you saw it with Marlon Humphrey. You see it with Marcus Peters all the time. On the Humphrey interception in this game, he came off his man because he could tell what was happening on the play in front of him, and he played to that spot. In, in, a, in the case that Oway got in the way of that throw... Josh Allen is trying to throw around Owe, makes a bad throw, and what would have been incomplete otherwise, because Diggs is supposed to pull Humphrey with him, turns into an easy interception. There need to be more opportunities and more situations where teams are looking and trying to attack Patrick Queen, and the help is there, or or Josh Bynes, or whatever that is. The help is there in the spot that he needs to do. He's not sure what needs to happen, and then you can turn around and make a play. But, you know, it's not all bad. The team is definitely plussed up in terms of what they're getting in, from turnovers and takeaways. It's obviously been a focus for what this team has tried to work on. It's paying off. So there is some hope on the other side that, you know, if Ross comes back, he was really good in the preseason, get him in there, give him some opportunities, bring Chuck Clark down into the box, let Geno Stone play free safety, bring Marcus Williams down into the box if you know that Geno Stone's the guy behind him, give Kyle Hamilton opportunities inside the box as well. I mean, these are not, you know, these ideas are not outlandish. They're not wildly, <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's not like asking Willie Harrison to play Sam, which is really not a good fit for him, right? Like, I would much rather see the things that we're talking about, which are natural fits. Marcus Williams played in the box a ton in the first couple of weeks and was highly, highly effective. 
right? And then, obviously, after the Miami game, the Ravens were like, screw this. We're not going to get Gino <laughs> for the top anymore. We're going to keep him deep on everything. And that's fine, right? Like, and he's doing his job in that regard. He did that, his job in that regard in the Buffalo game. But it doesn't require that much to figure out how to do this a little bit better. And I think they will. I think they'll figure it out. Houston is coming back. Ajabo, Bowser, there are Ross. There are guys that could come back and make a difference on this defense. And they just need to get it cleaned up. So let's, let's real quick kind of wrap this up with, with two things. First, I want to talk about the rookies a little bit. Just be, um, and basically, you know, we talked about playing more safeties, playing Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton's played really well when he's on the field. Like, he had a, maybe one or two blown coverages. He's been he's been good. He That was what, one three game. Or four. I'd say three no, 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 or no. four blown coverages. No, no, no. It was one game. He had one clear one and one where he was kind of, like, partially at fault. But th- there was a lot more going on in, in that Miami defense. The, the cornerbacks did not play, and maybe he was out of position. But he, I don't think Hamilton was the reason why those things happened the way they did. Put that aside, he played really well in the New England game. He you know, forced a fumble. Um, I've seen him in tight coverage snaps. a number of times. Yeah, but he's playing well in those 14 snaps. So I mean, give him more opportunities. We're talking about Patrick Queen being a shithead, and you know Kyle Hamilton is your first-round pick. You took 14th overall when you already have two safeties on the roster, and you're not going to play him. So like, there has to be like some. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like, use the guy that you invested your draft capital in, and take the guy. And I know Patrick Queen is a first-round pick too, but he sucks. I'm sorry. He just has not been a good player. You have to admit to it and just take him off the field. And and the obvious answer is because you don't have a linebacker. Put another safety out there. Play more dime. You know, go with more defensive backs. And that's Hamilton. You can, like you said, put Chuck Clark in the box. Hamilton's a good player. He's a good safety. You can move him around. He can cover over a tight end. He can play deep half. He can play split zone. You maybe not want him single high, but that's why you have Marcus Williams. Like, there's a lot of things you can do with him, and he just hasn't been used. Like, to me, it's inexcusable to put that investment in a player and then not use him. And your defense is suffering because of it in a, in a lot of ways. So, pardon my language. I'm sorry. I got upset there. Um, I'm... I'm just really frustrated because I think Kyle Hamilton is a potential superstar based off of his college play, based off what I've seen from him, his instincts in a lot of plays. And and he has made some mistakes, but like his instincts are there. And like, he is a guy who's going to make plays for you. And you need that kind of player on the field. So like figure it out. Okay. Tyler Lindebaum, your second player as a rookie. He's been the only guy who's out there every single play pretty well what's your overall assessment of Tyler Linderbaum I think he's been very good I mean this past game was a bad one they they he missed a couple stunts or there were they weren't effectively communicating stunts on the interior the three penalties were a total train wreck um but he's been much better snapping the ball solidified the inside of that defense or offensive line you know Quinn and Williams gave him a little bit of trouble early but I've been really happy with the results that we've gotten from Linderbaum yeah, I mean, he's not let up many pressures at all. And obviously, your center, you don't expect him to let up a lot of pressures, but, like, he's been very good in that regard. I think he gives you a different ability in the run game with his athleticism. Um, the ability that he can kind of control some of the blockers or blocks that he does is, and move, like, into the second level is very impressive. Um, you know, the penalties, I'm not sure, like, what two false stars from a center, like, you don't see that. So I don't, I think that's just a matter of, like, getting on the same page with, like, the offense and maybe it's just, like, the rookie kind of, like, learning thing. I don't think that's going to be an issue throughout the, the rest of the season, so I'm not worried about that. Um, he, he had one holding call on this one. I didn't see it really well. It wasn't 
easy to see on the TV copy exactly what happened. I think they brought like six guys and he just grabbed somebody as he was somebody was running past him in the lane. So like I don't blame him for doing that. That happens. Like he's not the only player that's ever happened to. So I think Tyler Linderbaum, I'm happy with him. You haven't gotten much out of the rest of the draft class other than Travis Jones coming in in the third round. Like he's been a good player for them. I think when he's on the field, he's not standout or, or anything. But like aside from that, like well, your whole no. cl- well, Falele has played meaningful tackle snaps. Okay, you're you. right. You're um, right. Jordan Stout has punted pretty well. He had a couple bad punts, but he's punted pretty well for them. Likely he's played a lot of snaps. Now, he might not have given you an impact, but the Ravens would be, would be short on a tight end for sure if it wasn't likely, um, for likely. So, I, I don't, I, you know, it, we're four games into a rookie class. I think that there's room for upside here, but there, there's not a lot to complain about from a rookie class overall that doesn't have, like, a high-impact, high-draft pick. Um, to kind of fall back on from this from this group, I, I'm pretty happy with it overall. Well, you're not playing your high impact, high draft pick. Like you're, he's not getting on the field. Like I don't understand. I, so I would. So so you didn't give me a chance to talk about Kyle Hamilton. I don't agree with you on your assessment that he's going to be an instant playmaker. He is he is around the ball and he has good instincts, but he's late. Um, he doesn't seem to have a full understanding of everything that's going on around him all the time. He doesn't seem to have a full grasp of the playbook yet. I think that there true. are opportunities for him to get there, but if he is the instinctual high-level safety that was supposed to be at that level, he's not been that guy. He's not been a top-five pick guy. Like, even from what we saw in the preseason, even from the snaps that we've seen from him, he's been fine in his limited snaps, but he has not been this, like, he's not been your must-have top-five pick in terms of what we've seen from him on the field overall. I'm not saying he can't get there, but we are... I, I would much rather see Geno Stone being the extra safety right now, especially if you're going to keep them deep right uh, between the two of them. And for whatever reason, the Ravens don't want to play Geno Stone either. So I agree with you that they can make some adjustments around what that looks like. I think Geno Stone had one snap in this last game. Um, so I think there are opportunities for that, how they can adjust on that, but I just don't... I, I don't agree that Kyle Hamilton is ready for a full-time role to be a high-impact player yet. I, I don't see it. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he needs to be that player because I'm, I'm I mean, not saying the want him compl- to, I think we want him to be that player. I, like well, I said, like other than a forced fumble chasing a guy down from behind, and yes, it was a good play, but like that's like like from a but that's not defender. His, that's but, not his but, guy, but, though. Like He wasn't even I, the fine. primary oh, defender on that. Hang on, let me finish from from a guy that's supposed to be a pass defender, he's made no pass defender impact play so far in the amount of time that he has been on the field. So, like, it, it's very hard for me to say that he's going to be a high-impact player because we have not seen anything from him remotely near, like, high-impact from what you could get. Like, like, he has not been what Derwin James was in his first four games in the league. Like, he just hasn't been. Well, he hasn't um, been on the field because Derwin James was on the field every time. So Kyle Hamilton played a fair number of snaps in the first couple games, and there, like, there wasn't anything there. Like, there, there wasn't anything there, and he got torched twice in the Miami game for being one biting on a waddle under, and two being completely out of position on another play. Like, th- those are really, really bad rookie mistakes, and the kind of things that you should lose snaps for, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that because I, I don't think the Miami game was his fault. Um, it, it won- I, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Those were the plays that he was part of, and they were blown. Um, and, and, and areas where he was supposed to be making the plays, he wasn't. And so whether they were his fault or not, when you have guys that are supposed to be top five level draft pick players, they don't make those kind of mistakes or they're considered busts. And so of course they I, do. I think- but, but like, but, uh, miscommunications, I mean, 
it happens all the time. Like Marcus for for a top five for for a safety to be drafted in the top five picks in this league, you really don't expect those kind of things from a player. I I mean he has not he has not played to his tape that we saw at Notre Dame. That is I I I, hmm. I feel very strongly about that. I, I okay. Well, we'll and the Ra- and the Ravens coaches obviously agree with me. Yeah, well, their they, defense hasn't really been that impressive so, so far, so I'm not sure they're, they're doing a great job of coaching the defense. So that's, I mean, it's... But they're seeing him in practice. They're seeing him processing the playbook. They're seeing him try to understand what his roles are supposed to be in certain plays, and something is not there, or he would be in. Well, they, they took a player who's, in theory, a luxury in the first round because right no, no no if you want to quibble over whether the Ravens should have taken someone completely different at 14 that could have been a higher impact or a higher leverage player I am right there with you in that conversation but just because they took him there doesn't mean that I think that they should play him and I don't think that we've seen anything from Kyle Hamilton that, that has demanded that he be on the field more um, I want to see that and when that opportunity happens I will fully back him but I don't think it's happened yet well I mean I, th- I think if your argument is when he's been on the field, he's let up a couple of big plays because they've been busted coverages. I understand that. I also think when you watch him in coverage, he's not letting up big plays when he's in the right position. Like if he knows the assignment, he's doing a good job on it. That's 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 my argument. And he hasn't been targeted a lot when he's been on the field, like at all. Like he, he, since that one game, since the Miami game, yes, I know, like you said, he's only been on the field like 30 snaps or whatever. Have you seen him be a negative in any of those instances? Since I mean, I can't, I, I can't say, like I said, my position, I, I've not watched every single one of the snaps. So my position is not, I think that Kyle Hamilton is blowing other coverages. My problem is that I don't think he's fully up to speed on the, the playbook, that he's not processing the game at an NFL speed yet, that, that he's just not there. And that if he was, that we would see a splash play more than just forcing a fumble on a big game that that happened in front of him right so like like he's got like if if you want me to buy into the kyle hamilton hype i've got to see more than i've seen so far it's got to be more than well he's been good enough in the coverage stats that i've seen kind of on all 22 and what he's running underneath like like to me all i'm saying is it's not that's not enough he had two very nice plays in the miami game in the first half where he had a play in front of him Came and made nice big stick hits on the guy, stopped him for a loss, I mean, knocked not, the ball yeah, out of like, one of them. Like, like I said, those are the plays you get from a, a strong safety. That's what you want your guy to do. Like that's what the role of a safety is: is to identify the the pass play in front of him. The free safety that the they have Marcus Williams a free, free safety, safety. Than a strong safety. I know Marcus Williams. I, I get that, but they're still using him more like a deep cover to free safety or a single high free safety than they're using him like a strong safety. Now you could say that they're using him out of position, but that's not how they're using him. Right and, and okay, I'm gonna stop arguing with you because you haven't you haven't watched him play. So you you you've already said you don't watch it all 22. So, so that's fine. So when he because was, no, no, no. you're so saying how he's used, but you're not watching how he's used. So don't talk about so, what you don't I, know. But I've used two specific plays that you seem to that they. So you th- do you seem to think that because he blew a coverage, he should get a pass? I'm saying because he blew a coverage, it means he doesn't know the playbook. And the Ravens, and I, and I would say that the Ravens, reason the Ravens aren't giving him more time, I'm not talking about his other coverage snaps. I'm saying that the coaches, and from what I've seen on the field in high-impact moments where the Ravens couldn't give up touchdowns, Kyle Hamilton didn't know where he was supposed to be, and the Ravens coaches are going to keep him off the field until he does. And he's not going to be able to make splash plays until he's there on that, and he has not shown that he's there on that yet. Now, whether or not, whether or not you think he needs to be in there on trial by fire, that's one thing, but... 
the performance of what we have seen from Kyle Hamilton on the field so far has not been of enough quality to earn more. Geno Stone should be ahead of him in terms of getting those snaps. He's not been out of position. We know what we're getting from him. He can play a lot of the things that the Ravens have asked Kyle Hamilton to do so far this year. And the Ravens refuse to give Geno Stone those snaps too. So I like the quibble, I think, is more how the Ravens are utilizing their safeties than it is the individual player. Because I think Geno Stone would be just fine in some of those same roles. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think Geno Stone is is also is a very good player. I think he probably deserves more snaps. Um, he's been out there a little bit, but not very much. So, I, I think whether it's whether it's Hamilton, whether it's Stone, like, I mean, obviously you 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 put a big investment into Hamilton, so I think you need to have him out there more because he has that pedigree of of being someone who can, you know, have more of an impact. So. I don't know. Like maybe you're but, right. Maybe but, he just doesn't understand the playbook yet, and it takes a while to get into the flow of things. We'll see over the course of the season. And like you said earlier, this is you know four games into a season. Rookies sometimes take a while to get involved. So that I mean, I think we'll see more of him as the season progresses. I hope it's at the expense of linebacker snaps because we don't need to see Patrick Queen and Josh Bynes out there as much as they have been. Um, you know, the rest of the rookie class. I I want to talk about you know Jordan Stout like. He used a fourth-round pick on him, and he has been whatever. Like, I've seen multiple teams who picked up a guy off the street. Like, the, the Bills, they drafted someone, they cut him because he, we don't have to talk about that. They picked up somebody, and he had, like, a 60-yard punt that's pinned the Ravens at the five-yard line. George Stout hasn't done that once. Like, this is a guy you spent a fourth-round draft pick on, and he has not been good at punting. He's had more bad punts than good punts. He just hasn't been very good. Like, he's been fine, but, like... I'm sorry. That's just that was to me a wasted pick. You, you had nobody at outside linebacker. The outside linebacker you drafted in the second round isn't going to play until like week ten, probably. Like, I don't know. I just I feel like, and this this doesn't have to be a, a rant about how misuse of of the draft picks, but I, I just feel like you're not getting what you needed to get out of the picks that you had. And it's showing up in, in, in some ways, even if it's a marginal thing, like a punter who's not being, you know, the deserving of the first punter taken in the fourth round of the, like, he just, he's just been okay. Like, I don't, I don't understand. And maybe he, and then you're like, not fair to criticize rookies. I know that it's four, four weeks into the season, the rookie year, but like, that's someone you expect to have an immediate impact in a big way. And he just, it's just not been that good. I don't, I don't know. Do you have maybe. stats for me? So he's had, he had three punts inside the 20 in the Jets game when he punted six times. I don't know how deep those went. He's only punted eight more times since then. I mean, if you, want, if you do want to criticize the Ravens for using a fourth-round pick on a punter when it's a guy that's only going to take two or three or four you know, snaps in a game, I think that that's totally worthy of the criticism. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that you're... I don't think you're ever going to get a punter that's going to, you know, have that big of an influence in the game. And, you know, Stout did have a punt that bounced on the six-yard line. And, you know, if it bounces the other way, you feel a lot more differently about that. And that's, you know, so, that not completely within the control of the punter either. So, well, um, I mean, you need to directionalize your punts if you can't control it and stop it at the at, inside the 10. Like, that, I, I mean, it, that, that's part of the – that's why I'm saying, like – and we don't want to talk about this anymore, like – but. If you're spending a fourth round pick, yeah, if you're spending a fourth round pick on a punter, like it should be somebody who's like high level player that's going to be a very good, you know, impactful 
part of your special teams unit, and he just he hasn't been. So I'm just disappointed in that. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm just my frustrations for how the seasons are, are coming out in a weird way right now. And it's just I don't know, not not good podcasting. So <laughs> let's, let's leave it at that. You're right. Falele has been better than I. I you know I I forgot he was a fourth round pick. Um, so he's the I think he's the cream of that crop of that you know the fourth round obviously the cornerbacks haven't really worked out much like Jalen R. Davis is he's a project I think and Pepe Williams you know he had some nice moments but he's been picked on as well so well, I don't know what you're going to get out of those guys they haven't really been letting him play either so I think there's time for this rookie class to develop I'm actually you know I, I don't agree with you in the sense that I think that it's been pretty impactful um and and in terms of kind of what you would expect from a rookie class especially given kind of where the Ravens were in the draft um, you know, you aren't expecting a ton, ton more. You've also got Ajabo as a long-term project that's kind of like clouding some of that. Travis Jones was hurt, but has looked good when he's come back. I think there's a real opportunity for him to have impact. So I feel like we've seen more, I guess I would say, I, we feel like we've seen way more snaps from rookies on the Ravens than we have in many other years past. And so if that's the, if, if taking snaps is the barometer, then I'd certainly label them as a success as well. So, um, it's just that we blew two 17-plus point leads in games yeah. that this team should have won. They should be 4-0. Like, without question, this team should be 4-0. It's super frustrating to kind of see what those results are. And they've got to come out against uh, next week on Sunday night against Cincinnati and have a good game. This is a game that now the Ravens cannot afford to lose. It is a third AFC game that they've got on the calendar now. Um, it's one of the, it's in division. The division is completely locked up and tied. It's a primetime game. Um, hopefully the weather is not crazy and we get, you know, we see Lamar being Lamar coming back and, you know, what he's done in some of his past games is against Cincinnati coming, coming back and doing that again. And, you know, I think you see those steps forward. You see Ronnie Stanley come back. Hopefully, you know, we're not far away from Bowser and Edwards coming back and, you know, we're, we're not even a quarter of the way into the season in full. Um, and two of the losses are going to probably be against two teams that are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely not the end of the world, but I think, like we talked about earlier, your your expectations in terms of, like, seeding is definitely a little lower now. I mean, you hope to win the division. That's That's got to be the goal. Um, I think 12 wins is kind of where I'm, like, have my eyes set. You go 10-3 the rest of the way. It's doable. It's not a terrible schedule. Um, you know, they have played only AFC games, so those matter. Like, two AFC losses, that's not great in terms of seeding, but... Um, we'll see, like, you know, you have a chance to maybe win four or five games against a division that's not that strong, at least it's not as strong as, you know, a lot of people projected it to be. Steelers, you know, they put in their rookie quarterback, they had them look great. The Browns are kind of, you know, they're shaky, you know, they're still playing with a backup quarterback. And then Bengals, they haven't been very good either. So, like, this game, you can't go into this game, you know, I mean, I mean, you, you what I was gonna say is like you can't go into like you have you have to with the mindset that you have to win. You can't go into a game like this is everything, but it it kind of is. Like if you lose this game, then you're so far behind and just in in a lot of different ways. Like you, I know teams try to like treat every game like it's the same as, and I guess that's the point I was trying to make. Like you can't be like we have all our fruit in this one basket of, of winning this game, but it's extremely important. Um, and if you win this game, the schedule does ease up a little bit, um, and then. You can rally off some wins, um, but it's it's this is this is a big one, um, and you know the the Bengals haven't looked great, and if if this is the Bengals coming out party, it'll be a really unfortunate Sunday night for the Ravens. Yeah, well, and the Ravens have got to have a game plan. The Bengals are going to pick on Patrick Queen. They're going to pick on whoever's playing nickel. 
They like they're they're going to take shots deep to Jamar Chase. Like it's they're not the, the Bengals aren't doing anything terribly creative. Their offensive line has been a wreck. Um, so you got to be able to stop the run. But you know, I, I don't have a problem also kind of locking in and saying, hey, this game does actually have a lot more meaning. Like this is a moment where we've got to get up, we've got to recover, we've got to show that we we've, we've got what these things are. Um, and you can't worry about the rest of the schedule. You got to just worry about the game that's in front of you. So um, it's a home game. It's a night game. Energy should be there. Not nearly as many fans are going to travel from Cincinnati as they travel from Buffalo this upcoming game. Um, so, you, you know, you've got to like the Ravens' chances overall in this game coming up. Hopefully the weather will be better as well. Um, so, that, I mean, obviously that's something that I think we have to think about now because it's, it's a kind of track record of, of performance and, and poor weather of not being great. So, um, and obviously they will attack both teams the same, but it's something to think about. Anyway, it's um, I think it's a matchup that the Ravens should do well in. I think they'll have a chip on their shoulder after last last year. They kind of got embarrassed by the Bengals twice, um, and the Bengals kind of poured it on in a game where the Ravens had you know literally half their team on defense being practice squad players. Um, and I, I think they probably still have some feelings about how that happened. And you know, it's a lot of talk about Joe Burrow in the off season. A lot of you know crowning him as you know the next. Tom Brady, and I think that might have been a little premature, but he's a good quarterback. He's played against the Ravens the past year extremely well, um, and you know if if they have some of the same issues that we saw last year in terms of you know tackling and and blown coverages, it's going to be a long night. But if they, if they have that cleaned up, and if you know I think they have a good chance of turning Burrow over a couple of times, then I think it's going to be a game that they definitely will compete in. Um, and then, you know, if Lamar Jackson is the quarterback we know he can be, then I, I think, you know, the Ravens will be in good shape. Yeah, and hopefully some of these injury developments are to the positive. Rashad Bateman will keep you an eye on Justice Hill, but obviously getting Justin Houston back, I think, is a big one. Um, so hopefully that won't play – that will play favorably. Ronnie Stanley as well will play favorably – um, in terms of the outcomes that we're going to see for the Ravens in this upcoming game. I, I do worry that if Ronnie Stanley doesn't play this week, that he's not going to play until after the Giants game because the Ravens, and I can see the Ravens holding him out of the Giants game in the Meadowlands because they don't want him to play on that turf. Um, yeah. So so I think that, that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, but the Giants have been better than other teams are expected too. So anyway, it's it's a... It's been a frustrating couple games um, for this Ravens team. Hopefully we continue to see the, uh, the defense develop. We see them bounce back a little bit. Um, you guys can check us out. We're both on Twitter. I'm at Ravens Sit Room. Um, Gabe's at Gabe Fergie. We're, you know, chirping about the games during games in between on the week. Gabe put a bunch of photos up of different plays that made a big impact yesterday. Um, so make sure that you get out there and check them out. And uh, we'll see you all next time in the Situation Room. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.